0: Some of my best work. I'm Jane Rocker, music and culture journalist. Jay Wilgoose, Esquire, was listening through intergalactic radio communications from the Apollo 11 mission when he had the idea to create the song Go with his band Public Service Broadcasting. He's chosen Go as some of his best work. Go features on their 2015 album, The Race for Space, launched at the UK's National Space Centre in Leicester. It's a largely instrumental track, with samples from communications taken from NASA's Mission Control that supported the Apollo 11 crew, executing one procedure after another as they inched their way over hundreds of thousands of kilometres to the moon. Here's Jay Wilgoose Esquire and some of his best work, Go. I wonder if you might be able to take us through how you chose the song. A point of discussion with us today.
1: Well, I think, you know, if if the title of the podcast is some of my best work, we probably should go with our best song, sort of relatively objectively I suppose and and the best known one so I don't think I've got kind of an overflowing wealth of of good good songs (laughs) to choose from so I'd better go with the one that's kind of connected most with people I think.
0: Yeah well it's done very well but maybe you can give us a little bit of context of working on the album in which the song comes from and why you think this song resonated with so many people and has become a huge talking point in your history of, of making records.
1: This song comes off an album called The Race for Space, which is is a nine track album that was written in 2014 and released in 2015. And it was sort of an attempt to retell the story of the space race using documentary footage from both the NASA audio collection and from um, some sort of Soviet propaganda material, some sort of educational TV programs that were produced at the time to sort of advance the Soviet cause and, and tell everybody how wonderful communism was. You know, I was kind of working my way through the record. I was actually writing it in sequence as the record is written. So Go is track eight out of nine on this record. And, and it's it's a song about the Apollo 11 moon landing. So it's a kind of natural climax and a natural kind of peak for, well, kind of for humanity in general, but also for, for the record. So I was kind of building up to it, but also a little bit kind of anxious about tackling it because you can't really you know, if you're writing a song about such a uh, momentous occasion, you need to make sure that the song is, you know, a good one. (laughs) You can't really kind of deliver an underwhelming uh, song about a subject as big as that. So it was kind of hanging over for me for a while and uh, I was a bit kind of nervous of tackling it.
0: The way in which you work, sampling sounds or in this case that dialogue and and what drew you to that story, particularly that space race and there were wins but there were some crazy losses that also happened in that time.
1: I was drawn to it by a personal interest in it, I suppose. I, I think it's one of the most amazing kind of periods of, of modern history, really. It's kind of a unique combination of factors and, you know, it has so much sort of political interest to it, it has so much human interest to it, these amazing, almost like another species of human, really, these people who went up on these rockets. And, and it also just... It's the first time that we left our planet, you know, even for a very non-religious, non-spiritual person. But fr- from a kind of what is our place in the universe as a species, you know, um, what, what are our, some of our biggest achievements? It's it's such a kind of... Um a step beyond what we knew at the time and, and and still is kind of the biggest leap that we've made I think that it's a uniquely fascinating combination of, of events and and personalities that made it very rich a very rich subject matter and it also made it much more likely to connect with people you know I think so many people are so interested in space that wasn't the reason for doing the record but it's kind of a, a happy byproduct of it that there's already all these communities who are so engaged and interested in it and if you're kind of if you're working in that field and hopefully delivering something that's that's new and interesting and engaging then you going to you know you're going to kind of um, almost by happy accident kind of tap into all of that that's not really why we kind of ended up ended up going down that route though but it's, it's just kind of happy byproduct, really
0: in terms of where it was recorded I seem to understand that there were three studios in which you worked at can you maybe explain what was happening when you were making the album
1: Well, what was mostly happened when we were making the album was that we didn't have very much money, and I'm I'm sure a lot of bands and artists are familiar (laughs) with that, so uh, most of it was done in the back two-thirds of my garage in South East London, so all the guitars were tracked here, the the keyboards, uh, all the editing, all the mixing was all done, you know, here basically in the room that I'm currently sat in South East London, and um, we had a small amount of budget for recording studio days, so... We recorded the drums and the brass and the strings in sort of two and a half days of tracking at a studio called The Pool, which is also in Southeast London, but um, it's a much bigger space and much more suitable for recording that. And then we really pushed the boat out, and for the choral stuff, we had a 13-piece choir for, for two tracks on the record. We had a morning at Abbey Road, so that was <laughs> Abbey Road Studio 2, which is you know a room full of all kinds of history, and um, that was a real sort of pinch-yourself moment. It's very weird going up to Abbey Road and just sort of just walking out to the front door because you feel like somebody's going to stop you and say, what are you doing here? <laughs> Who are you? You're like, no, I'm actually, I think I'm working here today, actually, which is weird. <laughs> but yeah, I think I've booked a studio. Uh, yeah, odd odd experience, but a nice one.
0: And looking back, because this is the album that follows your debut, so was there a sense of pressure to sort of deliver? I wonder just where you were at mentally when it came to working on this record. I
1: think there's there's always a pressure to deliver because, you know, you're, you're trying personally as a writer to, to – to develop and to grow and and to get better basically so you know you never want to go backwards as a writer or as a band um so the pressure to kind of keep things moving keep momentum up and and show people that it's you know this band is something that can have a kind of a depth and a, and a, a kind of source of longevity, I suppose. That was a pressure from the outside, but the pressure from inside is far greater always. The pressure, you know, as a writer, just pushing yourself to do it as best you can. That's the one I really struggle with, <laughs> with kind of, um, you know, not being too hard on myself, really.
0: How did you write when it came to this particular song that w- that we're talking about too? Is it that you have notebooks and write and dwell on things? Is it that the music really drives it and then the words come next?
1: Well, with this song, I mean, it, it kind of is it's 50-50. Some of the songs, the music was very broadly, you know, kind of finished almost before the, before the sampled material kind of went on there. But with this song, I was listening to some of the highlights reels of Apollo 11 and just wondering, you know, how am I going to tackle this without just resorting to, you know, the eagle has landed and, you know, it's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, you know, all the kind of stuff that people have heard a million times. How do, how do you kind of approach this this momentous occasion from a relatively new standpoint for most people? So just downloaded these things off the the NASA Audio Collection, you know, Apollo eleven highlights file and just got to this section where it was just, you know, uh retro go, surgeon go, econ go and I just thought, crikey, that's uh yeah, that could you could easily cut that up and have that kind of rhythmically over over kind of almost sing along chorus. And um and, and then yeah, you know, with that in mind, the music just kind of emerged very quickly over about over a period of about half an hour, I think this song was, was mostly written. Uh, it, it came out very quick and those, those are always the good ones, basically.
0: The way in which you all work together, as you say, a lot of it sort of forms around you at home, but how much of the conversation is shared amongst you as well in terms of the direction of, of what happened with that song?
1: Um Yeah, there's definitely a a degree of collaboration in making it human and kind of bringing it outside, you know, the the world of the demo and everything being quite, you know, computerised when I first write it because, you know, I'm writing with the aid of a computer and using sample drums and stuff like that. So as soon as you bring it into a real room with real people playing it, it does change quite a lot. I think with Go, though, because it's such a stripped-back song and there's not really that many layers to it, you know, it's basically just bass, guitars, um, keyboards, drums, and speech samples. That's There's not really kind of much textural frippery going on. Um, you know, I think there wasn't that much to kind of change, really. I think I would have said to Rigglesworth, who's the drummer, I would have said something like, can you just do a couple of big old fills towards the end? And, you know, he, he'd kind of improvise those, I suppose, in, in, a, in a certain respect. But this song was, you know, I was quite clear about what I wanted with this one. Sometimes the, the brief is a bit more like, oh, I want something a bit like this here, but... Um, yeah, and, and the thing is back then it was only recently really a kind of a two-piece um, operation and it, and now it's kind of a much more bandy environment, you know, there's like three or four of us or it's kind of, it, it's evolved to the point where we can get into a room together and actually play some ideas and work through them rather than just kind of doing it in isolation but when there's only two of you, you can't really do that anyway so you have to have quite a good idea of what you're doing before you even present it to anyone else so it's, it, it, was, it was back in a kind of earlier way of working for us really.
0: I mean, in terms of then measuring the success and, and what came after this song?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was more confident with this song than I had been and have been with any other since, but you still, it still takes time when you release a song, you know, it never just goes kind of like boom instantly, unless unless maybe you're Bruno Mars or something, but it never just kind of really instantly is just like, bam, you know, that song is in people's hearts and minds and, and you know, you've won them over as fans for life. It's, you kind of, you play it a few times and, and the initial reaction is always strong. So we we first played it the first time anyone ever heard it was was a radio session we did and we just included it as part of the session and um you know we had a lot of comments in like oh, what was that track it's you know that kind of thing so we 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 kind of knew that our feelings that this was a good one were 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 in the right area but you only really realize i think how how good a song is when you've kind of been playing it for you know, almost like 5 years really you know when when it's still getting that same reaction night after night on tour and when it's still the biggest cheer of the night and when you know, you just sort of sense the excitement in the room when you start it and you sort of sense those tingles going around the room. That's when you kind of know that you've made something that is going to stick around for, you know, hopefully a, a fair few more years. Having said that, you know, there, there were a few good signs when we did release it and, and one of the most amazing one that I still pinch myself about is that um, Gene Krantz, who's the flight director, whose voice is extensively in the song, his daughter got in touch to say that um, Mr. Krantz had heard the song and loved it and, and sent us a picture of him holding the record with his thumbs up. And, you know, this is the guy that Ed Harris played in Apollo 13, who's like a real, quite an intimidating figure. And he sat there with our record going like, yeah, it's great. And, you know, yeah, it was, it was lovely to kind of lovely to have that kind of endorsement from the people who are actually involved in it.
0: And I wonder what elements you take from having worked on this second record at the time and what carries through in the work that you've done since or things that we still sort of see influencing, say, your latest album.
1: Well, I think it's interesting because you kind of, when you get a song that's bigger than all the others that you've written, as as has been the case with Go!, you, your natural instinct is is not in a kind of resentful way, but it is, is to kind of push against it a bit and try, you know, not unless you're kind of very lazy and maybe cynical and then you just write the same song again and just kind of, you know, repeat ad nauseum. But I think your your instinct is to push against that and to try different things and to try and kind of, you know, show people the different ways that you can write and the different ways that this band could operate. So with the album after, you know, we we've done an album on such a broad appeal. we have done an album about the space race, which is such a, you know, kind of universal subject then we went very purposely, sort of very narrowly into an album about uh, coal mining and, and centered it around, you know, a very specific part of the UK. Um, so it's a kind of very deliberate return to Earth and, and actually, you know, under the Earth in, in some cases. And, there, and a, a change from sort of a superhuman figures that we're writing about to, you know, very everyday people doing actually doing pretty superhuman work in their own way. Um, so you know that was that was every valley, and that was 2017, two years after the race for space, and then and then I think we've kind of pushed it even further away from that with a new one, which is which is almost moving away from kind of the narrative speech samples and moving into something much more abstract and sort of trying to I- encapsulate uh, the appeal and, and parts of the history of a city of, uh, like Berlin, which is what the new record's about. It's about kind of creativity and why people are drawn to Berlin and other cities like it, um, you know, and, and the role of the city in facilitating that kind of, that kind of creative uh, atmosphere, really.
0: And maybe finally, too, I mean, in terms of the success of this record and what came after it, what were some of the biggest changes that- that shifted for you and for the band?
1: I mean, this the record did really well. The song did really well, you know, in sort of relative terms for sort of middling, you know, UK indie bands. It hasn't made us, you know, hasn't made us fabulously wealthy or anything, but it did give us a kind of a, you know, a solidity. And the second album is so important, I think, for a band, especially one who... You know, when our first record came out, I think it had the whiff of novelty about it to a lot of people and a lot of people questioned how far it could go and, and, you know, whether it'd be kind of a bit of a busted flush after one record and people would have had enough. So to come out with an album like The Race for Space as our second record and show people that it had a bit more depth to it and... Um, you know, that we were a band who were going to stick around and that this was a concept you could run with was, was very important. And it, it just kind of, it took us up to, you know, it took us up a level here in the UK and it, it allowed us to travel around the world. It allowed us to come to Australia and New Zealand for the first time, and, you know, go to America and, and, you know, the record did fairly well there again for a band of our size. So, um, yeah, it just... it. You, you kind of hitch a ride, really, on the back of, of these songs. You know, if you write a good song, it kind of – it just does its own thing and it takes you takes you along for the ride. So it was it was fun seeing where it could take us.
0: Thank you so much for taking part in this podcast. It was awesome to hear you talk about a track that is synonymous with your band's name and, well, we hope you get to Australia soon as well.
1: Oh, yeah, we, we do talk about it all the time, or genuinely all the time. <laughs> like, when can we go back? But, yeah, we hope so soon.
0: Thank you so much, Jay. It was really nice to talk to you. Thanks a lot. Jay Will Goose Esquire and the story of his song Go Some of His Best Work. You can get early and ad free episodes by becoming a subscriber. Check out the episode notes for more information or the Mushroom Channel in Apple Podcasts. I'm Jane Rocker. Thanks for listening.